Hello and welcome. This podcast is being featured on paddlinglife.com. Check out the paddlinglife.com website to get the latest news in the world of paddling. Now on to the show. Welcome to Tales from the Crips, a whitewater storytelling podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Cripps. Although I'm sure he has no idea, my guest today, I'm almost positive, is one of the first people who taught me how to kayak when I enrolled in a pool class at the now defunct Boulder Outdoor Center. Apparently it worked because I can still roll. And even though I'll never style the lines quite like he does, it still makes me proud that I went from there to being able to keep up with them, at least on some runs. Um, Now, my guest today has been featured in such kayaking porn film classics as The White Album and Creatures of Habit, which you should look up if you can find them. And at times, he's been seen running some creeks that probably shouldn't be running a kayak, but he managed to get down them nonetheless. Uh, These days, he's been busy being a business owner, a parent, uh, but he still manages to sneak in what I think at least are some first Ds from time to time close to home. Um, In 2015, we had a bunch of precipitation on the Front Range in Colorado, and it caused a couple of obscure creeks to run. And while I was out enjoying the usual suspects, he managed to scout out some new sections to run on some novel creeks. And uh, I'm a little jealous that I hadn't thought to do that myself. Um, But for a number of years, he's he's run Swiftwater Rescue Courses. Um, He's equipped countless Boulder Creek tubers with uh, rental inner tubes and probably saved countless head injuries by issuing them helmets along with the tubes, which is something it seems like everybody should do. Um, He was the owner of Whitewater Tubing Company in Boulder until he sold it a number of years ago. And you can imagine that with all that kind of experience, he has a few good stories to tell. So he's here to share a couple of them with us. So welcome, Nick Wigston. Thanks, Kevin. Glad, Glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for taking the time out tonight. So uh, I normally ask what people are up to this summer, but here we're sitting in a bike shop that you just acquired. So I know what you've been up to this summer. Uh, tell us a little about a little bit about what you have going on. Yeah, well, I've uh, I started working for Zinn Cycles for Leonard Zinn after I graduated college in 2006, and I've been managing the business since then. And he's you know in his mid-60s now and is ready to kind of start transferring out. And so my wife and I are buying the company from him and going to take it on and try to grow it from here. So we're pretty excited. And, and yeah, thanks for coming over to the shop. It's it's a cool little spot we got here in Louisville. Yeah, that's awesome. And I just I just kind of got the tour, the tour today, and it looks like an awesome setup. And, I mean, I know the bikes you're offering, just cla- classic bikes, you know, designed by one of the best designers out there. So yeah, super cool. Yeah, so. it's really cool. We're excited. Yeah, definitely. If you're, if you're in the, in the market, you can't go wrong talking to Nick for sure. Um, so this is a po- kayaking podcast. Uh, what about kayaking? What yeah, have you let's talk about summer? kayaking. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I was definitely busy this summer, but tried to to get out and had some great runs on the Big Thompson and Clear Creek and the Pooter was had a really good season and then uh, took a couple weeks to go to Idaho and do a, a salmon river trip with my family and some some and, and uh, Evan Stafford's family as well and then nice. um, and then my kids got to go they got. To, uh, the experience of joining 
the one of the first few camps put on in Idaho by Tommy Hillicky's family, who obviously everybody probably knows that name. And they, his family bought a summer camp in Idaho, it used to be a Boy Scout camp, and now it's a full-on whitewater adventure camp, and it's really cool up there. So my, my kids got to, got to do a week-long camp with them, and they, they really learned a lot. It was really really quite an experience they actually had to get evacuated from the camp on the first day because of a forest fire and um i just was blessed i just felt privileged that it was that camp particular because instead of canceling the whole thing they 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 packed up the vans and the rafts and they moved the kids down river you know 30 or 40 miles and set them up at a campground and just ran the camp from there and the kids had a great experience it was pretty amazing actually i was impressed with them that's awesome that's one thing kayakers know how to do is adapt so uh, (laughs) i didn't know about the fire i heard (laughs) i heard about tommy buying this place in idaho which sounds amazing yeah and this is their first full season to do this too right it was yeah and they did this the camp was saved so luckily it's still there none of the trees burned on the property the buildings are all still there and um Tommy was working his butt off to make that happen when we were there. It was, it was pretty, pretty impressive. He's a hard worker. Yeah, definitely the person to learn from too. We saw at, at Gorefest what was what was left of Gorefest after the race got canceled. A bunch of people were staked out at Tunnel watching the lines, and I don't know which one, but one of Tommy's kids came through, and he was he was throwing kickflips in the interest wave, and then trying to wave wheel Tunnel, <laughs> and uh, kept blowing it kept walking back up and doing it again, doing it again, getting worked in the hole, frog clawing while he's getting worked in the hole. So wow. there's some, there's some genes that got passed on. I think. Yeah. They're, 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 they're a fun family for sure. <laughs> no doubt. That's cool that your kids got to participate in that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. Hope, I think at least one of them will go back next year. Nice. Well, it's good to see that's getting kicked off. I know that was a little, I, I remember running into Tommy and he was a little bit nervous about the whole thing. Big commitment. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. It's, it's super cool. You should go up sometime and, and check it out. I'd love to. Cause, uh, you have to, you, there's no bridge, like the camp is on the other side of the river from the road. So in order to get to it, you have to take a, they have a cable car across. And so you hop in this cable car or you paddle across, of course, that's what a lot of people do. But in order to get stuff across, you hop in this cable car and it's just totally manual. There's no, there's no, uh, motor or anything that runs the thing. Tommy just gets on there and just starts hauling on the cable and you just zip across the river. And then there you are the other side (laughs) adventure from the very start. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. That's cool. Nick. Well, uh, so let's uh, let's get let's get you going with what we came here for. You've got a couple of cool stories for us. Um, uh, why don't you get us started? With, when when let's let's go to the first story. This is in BC, right? Yeah, yeah. This is in BC, and um, so we had just been we had spent about a month in California after two weeks in Colorado, running as many rivers as we could for while Trey the filmmaker for the white album was doing all the filming and so he actually would pack all the camera gear into a pack and hike along the rivers try to you know try to stay with us as much as he could and get all the get the shots but then there'd always be a point where it would it would gorge out and he'd have to hike back out the other way and we'd you know run the rest of the river without him and miss all that footage and then then he'd find us at the end and get the the last mile of the river or something like that (laughs) 
<laughs> I didn't so, know that. So you had a dedicated filmmaker on. Yeah, he didn't want to. He didn't want to paddle. He just he had all this fancy film equipment, and he wanted to, you know. And this was before you could do that level of quality on small equipment, I think. And so yeah, no GoPros, um, no drones. Yeah. So what, what year was this? Do you remember? This was two thousand two. Okay. Yeah, or three, maybe it was three, something like that. Anyway, but yeah, we had just spent you know two straight weeks in Colorado, then a month in California, and then we decided to drive to BC. And so everybody was was beat, but we wanted to go anyway. And we had we had of course seen pictures in magazines of Rogers Creek with some beautiful waterfalls. They didn't you know look huge, but they were just really picturesque. And so mm-hmm. we figured out where that was and and drove up to BC and um, Trey actually st- stayed behind in Washington a bit because he was waiting for some other friends to come into Seattle so that he could pick them up and then come and meet us so we went up there it was me and Sean Lee and there was one other person oh Jared Johnson and um, so we were all up there together um, just kind of doing a few few runs, wait, waiting a couple of days for for Trey to show up with the other guys that he had picked up that had, that were coming in from North Carolina because Trey Trey went to college in North Carolina. That's where he got into boating and stuff. Okay. So we had all these buddies that wanted to come and join us. So anyway, um, we we were we were waiting. We, we we didn't have cell phones at this time, and we were also in Canada. So even if there were, there, I don't think you could transfer your cell phone into Canada and right. just use it. Wasn't so we're like, <laughs> we're basically just waiting. We don't know when they're coming <laughs> and where. <laughs> so we're just like in, we, we ended up in Pemberton is where we like, we somehow we got a message for them to meet us there. And so we basically like camped in the park at the entrance to Pemberton, like the highway comes into Pemberton and there we are just like, camping in this gazebo <laughs> <laughs> total dirt bag style total dirt bags <laughs> and um and so we're waiting for them to, so they finally show up and we rally to go do this rogers creek thing and so we we're driving way out there and you're 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 driving way out into this indian reservation and word on the street is that they don't really like us being there mm-hmm. um and so we're hoping that we can kind of go over there and not be not be no, you know, not cause too much trouble or any, not be noticed or anything. So we get we get over to where the creek is. We find the creek. We find the takeout and everything. And as we're going up to go and scout, there's a little overlook where you can scout the waterfalls and see you know see the water levels and everything like that. On our way up there, we bump into Teo Berman, and so Teo, of course, back then was you know probably the most famous kayaker around, and he was there just by himself, but with his photographer who just basically drives around with him and takes pictures of him <laughs> running waterfalls and that's what they do. Yeah. And so we, we get up there and we're all scouting this waterfall with Teo and, um, and he, you know, he looks at it and he kind of comes back off the overlook and, and he's, you know, we all look at it and then Teo's like, yeah, it's, it's too high. I'm going to, I'm going to leave, you know, he, and so then they basically were just gone. Like within minutes, they were gone. Wow. <laughs> they, just, they were out. I don't know if they, they must've just gone to look for some yeah, other waterfall like, to run. Yeah. quam or something. We're, we're, on, we're on the clock. We got to get some <laughs> yeah, other footage. That's right. <laughs> so they, they were gone. And so then we of course were like, 
young and cocky and we were like yeah let's go do it anyway <laughs> so, <laughs> this, so after this guy's, like, not, this guy's not that great <laughs> i'm sure we're fine but the, i mean granted the the waterfalls looked good like they didn't it, but i think what it what it came down to was that the 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 whirlpools at the bottom of the like the, the the waterfalls land in these big cauldrons and so they're mm. swirling really violently right and yeah. um and so so anyway, we decide to go for it anyway. And so we drive up to the put-in, and you you run a few, you, you hike in a little bit, and then you run a f- couple miles of of boogie water, you know, read and run. I, I don't remember much about that part. but So then we get to the point where the, it, the canyon walls up, and there's one spot to get out where you can kind of shimmy along the wall and – scout from above that's what we wanted to do so we could kind of see the entrance and make sure that we were good to go so we all pull our boats up on shore and we get out and we're you know you're basically kind of traversing along the side of a cliff and as we're we're getting up we're probably you know 40 or 50 feet above the river at this point and we're traversing downstream to try to get a a look at the entrance to the first waterfall I think there's three waterfalls in a row. So we wanted to just get get sights on the first one or e- at least see if there was an eddy at the top of it that we could use to, to get a better scout. Yeah, and sense. as we're standing up there, we look down at the river, and there's Trey's kayak floating down the river by itself <laughs> with, like, five paddles inside <laughs> the boat. <laughs> we're just we're looking at that, and we're like, oh, my God, like, that's everybody's paddle right there and one, you know, and a kayak. And so we of course run back down to our stuff, but there's at that point, there's absolutely nothing we can do. It's gone. The boat's gone. It's just, it goes over the waterfalls. We see the horizon line and it disappears. Did it have a good line? I mean, uh, I don't know. <laughs> We're thinking about that. At the time. So we are, we are totally screwed. Like we can't go back uh, up. We can't get out. There's nowhere to go. Like there's no, None of us can paddle our boats because there's no paddles. Yeah, you're not going to hand paddle that. Yeah, so we just, you know, it was just... Did anybody even have a breakdown in one of their remaining boats or... Um, I don't even remember that. I think yeah. it was more not, a, a, not a enough line. to go yeah. down. I mean, anyway. it was it was complacency at its finest. Like, <laughs> we were so unprepared. <laughs> we did not check the boats everybody put their paddle in one boat instead of their own boats which would have been obviously a better decision granted it was a precarious spot to put boats it wasn't like a you know there wasn't a loading dock there that you could just set a bunch of kayaks on i mean you're you know you're uh, most kayakers know how it is you're just kind of trying to find a little spot where your boat balances on a rock and wedge it in somewhere there's you you know there's not it wasn't a good place to to put but it was the only place. So anyway, we have to sit there and evaluate for, for a few minutes here because we have no idea what we're going to do. We look up, and it's just total cliff wall above us, you know. And it kind of tears um, above us, and the, the walls are just covered in moss. I mean, this is British uh-huh. Columbia, so it's just thick pads of moss on all the rocks. Kind and so we're like, there. what are we going to do? And so... Trey, while kind of got us into the mess by not putting his boat on a rock, is an awesome rock climber. <laughs> <laughs> That's always a good skill to have, yeah. And he, he basically 
was standing there quietly for a while scouting the way he was going to get up and he found a he found a route that he could climb up and sure. and he free climbed probably 75 feet vertical up Whoa. this rock Damn. um and he had to, as he's climbing up he's like holding on to cracks he's got his hands holding in cracks and he has to manually rip sections of moss Ooh. off the wall just to expose the rock so that he can actually climb it. Oh, that sounds terrifying. <laughs> and um, Did he have his PFD on, or did he strip it off for this? Gosh, I wondered about oh, that. man, that's a good question. I don't yeah. know. I, I'm guessing he took the PFD off. Yeah. Um, but he was able to get up, and the, and the very top of it, there was an overhang as well. So he made it up this overhang, and got up on the top of the ledge and then dropped throw of course all we have were throw bags you know we didn't have any proper climbing ropes in here anything like that so we had nothing appropriate for this activity at all (laughs) and the and you know for anybody who doesn't know these throw bag ropes are not they're stretchy but they're not like a climbing rope where it's got like good give for when you, you know, if you fall or something yeah, like that. Yeah, they're basically static it's lines. A, it's yeah. not a good rope for climbing. And and they're thin yeah, and they're not yeah. strong. And, you know, everybody's throw bags have been in their boats for years or whatever. Who <laughs> right. knows, you know? And Getting so wet, just, dry, wet, dry. Just totally, lines. Yeah. <laughs> totally sketchy. And so anyway, he gets up there and he's able to then throw the throw ropes down to us. And we, we were able to hook up the boat's to the to a throw bag um and then we the 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 rest of us so there are three others of us that then climbed up the wall just using just you know trying to climb up using the throw rope to pull it to, to hold ourselves and pull ourselves up so we're just like ascending this wall <laughs> on a skinny quarter inch thick throw rope I don't think I've ever been so scared in my life. I was terrifying. terrified. And then when we got, when I got to the, when it was my turn and I got up to this overhang part. And so the rope's coming over this rock and I'm like under this overhanging cliff and I have to, you know, pull myself up on this rope and then reach around it and try to pull myself up on top. Then finally got up high enough to where somebody could grab me and pull me up. And I mean, it was the biggest relief ever. It was it was nuts. Like I was, I've been in a lot of kind of scary situations, and that was probably the scariest. Being on that wall, just hanging oh. onto a skinny throw rope that yeah. you can't really grab. If you if you lost yeah. it, you're probably just done, right? You're falling. Oh man, yeah, it would have been a big yeah. fall, big fall. And um, so once we got once we got everybody up there, then we were able to then haul the boats up, which was a job in itself. Like sure. we had to set up a big Z drag and. And like we just kind of, yeah, like one you know couple feet at a time, we just hauled them up. There, you know, I think it was three boats connected together. Um, since the fourth boat was down the river somewhere, right, <laughs> to, to be found later, I hope <laughs> we did find it. Yeah, it was actually when we did find it, it was we had hiked up the other side of the river and it was uh, circulating in the cauldron below the waterfall. Oh. So it stayed, it stuck around, and that was hard to get to. But that's another story. We did that the next day. But probably some lost paddles out of that too, huh? Yeah, yeah, we lost some paddles. That was the end of the trip. Um, oh, but the the um, 
the the best part about this whole thing was once we got the boats up and then hiked out to the road, the road was lined with berry bushes of all kinds. <laughs> so like we sat there for an hour and we were all, of course, we didn't even know how hungry we were until we got there. And we sat there for like an hour just chowing blueberries and raspberries and blackberries and they were all just ripe and delicious. It was the best thing. And it just totally totally like changed the mood of the of the <laughs> of the somber pain. event yeah <laughs> and then once we were fed and then we tried to go figure out how to find the boat and i can't remember i think we did go the next day and get it but we might have got gone that evening but it was it was a bushwhack to get up to the waterfalls from the other side of the river like serious canadian bushwhack with all that devil's club and yeah, yeah. just gnarly and uh and so we we once we got up we we had to kind of rappel down into the cauldron a bit it was you know maybe 10 foot rappel um and then try to like carabiner onto the boat as it floated by you as it was spinning in the cauldron it just kind of spun around the cauldron and every now and then it would come close to the wall and you just reach out and try to carabiner it and you you know we missed a bunch of times until finally it got it got hooked and then we hauled it out but yeah then we went home <laughs> <laughs> How long do you think that whole ordeal was getting out of the gorge from time of f- from ghost, the ghost boat to actually ghost boat to all the ghost out. boat to berries? Yeah, ghost boat <laughs> berries. Yeah. It was probably like five hours. Five I'd hours. Say. Yeah. yeah, that sounds like an epic yeah. for sure. Yeah, it, it was. It was. Uh, it was rough. What, what sure. would uh, what would safety Nick running the Swiftwater Rescue course uh, t- tell you about that whole episode? Yeah, I mean, this is this is you know a lot of where I learned a lot of what I teach is these experiences that that I've had that and and that other people have had and told me the stories. You know, I've I've learned a lot from other stories, um, but complacency is the number one thing that just gets us into trouble. You know. Sometimes we like to say jokingly that it's either a good time or a good story. <laughs> and the stories are great, but when we're out there kayaking these rivers, safety is the most important thing. And we want to we wanna come home. We want to we do it again. We want to keep doing it until we're old, you know. And, uh, and it's the times that we've been complacent where we're just like, oh, yeah, no big deal. The water's not too high or, you know, we don't need – we don't need climbing gear to go into a walled in box Canyon, you know, just little decisions like that, that seem like no big deal at the time. And, and often aren't because you don't have any problems, but the time that you do, you realize that, you know, you need to be, you need to be prepared. You need to know where you're going. You need to have enough time in the day. Um, and you need to, you know, be ready for anything. And so I, I've learned a lot to, to always just be prepared and have a, a game plan with the team. And, um, and the, uh, the enough time in the day thing, I think is one of the most common situations that gets people, Yeah, which kind of leads into the next story, actually. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Good segue. (laughs) But before 
before before that yeah um that's actually good it's a good point you know uh, as you're ta- as you're telling me about this it's interesting because you know my whole my whole podcast is formulated on the idea that there's all these good whitewater stories out there and i hadn't really thought about that fact that a lot of what makes it a good story is that something epically bad happened you know, right. dur- during the exactly. trip right it wasn't yeah. just like and then we had a good time and we went home right like yeah it, and and the majority of the days that we go kayaking are like that you know absolutely like we go we yeah. have a great time it's so much fun we're hanging we're paddling with our friends you know running shuttle and laughing and everybody's drinking beers at the end or whatever you know and you then you you talk about the day but then you know that's really that's it which is great you know honestly that's what we want but yeah but, um but then you know when you have these epic stories that that are really fun to listen to it's because something went wrong <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> pretty much well, every time that's also a good point you noted that there's kind of a difference between knowing what you're supposed to do and then actually doing it because you know sometimes like actually you know we took a court me and my crew back in the day we took a course with you guys i don't know if you remember yeah but that you know that was great because we got in the water and we were swimming around and we were learning what to do in different situations but then you also end up there you know like years later i was up on the source and we had an epic and forest was there and i was you know someone was holding me trying i was reaching in trying to grab a boat that was stuck and i'm yelling to forest give me your rope and forest was like, it dark was it dark or what? of course it was getting dark <laughs> <laughs> of course it's this always was, dark on the source this was right after you guys had your epic of, uh, yeah and you guys yeah. ended up cleaning it out but yeah. it, that's a whole nother story right <laughs> but yeah, those, yeah. Are, those are some great points yeah well that's and that's that's true and that's you know part of why we designed those rescue courses the way we did we you know the way I learned to do the rescue courses was you'd spend half the day on dry land with a clipboard and a notebook and, you know, teaching people stuff out of a textbook. And I quickly, or after a couple of years realized that that's not really real. That's not how we do things on rivers. And so, so I, I, I knew that there was a better way. I was like, we've got to get rid of the dry land stuff. And, you know, you you still need to kind of get out in dry land and do some lessons and learn stuff. But then, you know, really the the swift water course should be in the water as much as possible, in your gear, doing stuff, being active. That's how people learn with this this particular type of stuff. You learn hands-on. Like, yeah, there's lots of learning styles, but... This is the kind. This is hands-on stuff, and and you need to experience it. You need to get wet. You need to be out on a rock waiting for a rope, and uh, and so that's what we simulated in those classes, and people really loved them. Um, yeah, for sure. I, I loved doing them. I just got too busy, and it was taking up too many weekends. So yeah, had that's to stop. Big, that's had to stop doing it a while ago. But yeah, <laughs> I don't think we were paying you a million dollars for them either. <laughs> so probably, probably better off making money in the right. bike industry. Yeah, exactly. But it was fun yeah. while while we did it, and. Um, and yeah, so that will be, you know, I got together with the group of, you know, paddlers that I had, you know, paddled with and done expeditions with. And we, we came up with what we thought was a great course. And, and we got a lot of good feedback. You know, people loved. Yeah, it was great know, for us. Yeah. And I, I totally agree. That was my experience. The, the, your course, a, a couple other courses I've taken, like when you get, when you're actually out there in the water, like getting dirty with it, yeah. that's, that's where you're really you're learning. You're out there, you make the mistakes situations. and you, you learn from the mistakes that yeah. you happen in a, in a, in a more relatively controlled environment where, yeah. where you're kind of ready for something to go wrong. And, you know, so you don't yeah. have to scale yeah. 70 foot, five, yeah. 75 foot yeah. wall to get out yeah, I, haven't, I haven't simulated that one yet, but <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you, you, 
you had I, I distracted you from your great segue. Yeah. So <laughs> so yeah, the the you know we've we've all been you know a lot of the Colorado Front Range Creekers have done the source, and we always end up in the dark on that one for some reason because I guess because it it's low in the morning and high in the evening so everybody it's, waits till after work and he goes up there yeah, we got plenty of time it's only a mile and then it ends up being <laughs> nothing but but um a, a, a good example of a real mission that that was supposed to be just a few hours in the afternoon um that didn't turn out that way so we Sean Lee and I were up we were we were on a trip spring break and during college up to Oregon and Washington and everything was just flooded up there and so we we ran a couple of rivers but everything was so big all the stuff we wanted to run was too high and so we we ended up we got a a tip from somebody that said like northern california was really good and this was like the far north california mm. Um, I, the Trinity mm-hmm. and the Cal Salmon drainages is yeah, where we were. I've been up there. That's yeah, an awesome. Area. Super cool area. Yeah. It's, it's very northwesty there. It's not like your typical Sierra Nevada, for sure. Uh, granite rock kind of California. It's more like the Pacific Northwest. And um, so we we connected with Eric Seymour and Ben Stokesbury. We they let us crash on their couch and they were working. So they they sent us off to do a couple runs and then they met up with us a few days later to do this run called Bridge Creek, which is a very small creek, very steep small creek, and it flows into a larger creek, uh, Woolly Creek, which then flows into the Cal Salmon. So you've got kind of a tributary into a tributary into the main river. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so they told us when and where to meet them. So we met them down at the takeout, which is you know where the where Woolly Creek comes out onto the Cal Salmon. Mm-hmm. And they show up, and they've got this huge crew of people, like enormous crew. And me and Sean don't know anybody in the group, and so we all you know gather to to run shuttle. And you know by the time we get up, I don't know what time it was, but by the time we get up to the the put in, which was a long winding maze of dirt logging roads basically northwest logging roads is what it was and it's you know i don't know how they even knew where to go but um i know a couple of them had done it before and so they kind of they somewhat knew how to get there and by the time we got to the put-in it was you know i would bet it wasn't you know 11 or 12 or somewhere late 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 morning and it was march so it gets dark at 5 30. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, it's a two-mile run into eight miles of what they called, you know, four-plus, five-minus boogie water on Woolly Creek, you know, okay. out to the river. So it's like, yeah, okay. This, so this, theoretically, this, once theoretically, you get to Woolly Creek, you're just cruising You're down. just cruising, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. And so, so we, you know, you, there's a bit of a bushwhack from the road down to the creek. And we get down there, and there's nine of us total, which – on a t- small creek like that is a big group. That's a big That's a group. Big group. Mm-hmm. And um, so we put in, and we make it down to the first drop, which is a beautiful, like just gorgeous, probably 20, 25-foot waterfall, mm. just perfect, you know. Mm. And we were, Sean and I were just stoked. We were like, oh, wow, we had no idea that it was going to be like this, you know. Yeah. And um, so everybody ran the drop. We scouted it. Um, and everybody ran the drop. We get it down into the eddy, 
and it all went great. It was just perfectly, just just the, it was a picturesque drop. Everybody mm. was stoked, okay. except half the group at this point, they're like chatting on the shore, and then they announced that that they've decided to hike out. <laughs> and Sean and I looked at each other like, what? Like nothing happened. Like how? Why would we be hiking out? They said they've been they've done the run and it's way too high. Oh really? And so half of these guys have made this decision to hike out and I'm looking around like, where, where are you going to hike? Like, and, and there's nowhere to hike. Like, there's not dropped a, into a gorge. We're right? in a You're gorge. In there's nowhere yeah. to get out, you know? And so they pointed to where they were going to hike out and it was straight up a wall. Like it was like an angled wall again, covered in moss. Was this before or after your Rogers Creek experience? Oh, this is gosh. I think this was the year before. Okay. Yeah, so Rogers was the next year so after this. You haven't had a terrifying yeah, climb yeah, out yet. Yeah. So on this trip, this this one, I didn't have a dry suit yet. Like I'm I'm doing this. It's March, Northern California. I'm wearing chill, fleece yeah. pants and board shorts and oh. like a dry top. Oh man. Yeah. And uh so that'll lead to a good icing on the cake at the end there. But um <laughs> but so I, I look and see what they're planning on hiking out. And I was just blown away by the, them even considering that that was doable. And, and so of course, Sean and I, nobody knows us. We're new to this group. They've never paddled with us. And so Ben Stokesbury and Eric Seymour kind of, you know, they're like the, the, you know, I guess they're the leaders of the group they're like the, the top paddlers in the group. Yeah. So they looked at, at us and we're like, well, we don't, we don't, we haven't paddled with you guys. So, you know, and I immediately was like, I'm not hiking out. <laughs> There's no way I'm hiking out. <laughs> and Sean was like, no way, I'm not hiking out either. Take my chances in the creek. <laughs> and so, so, you know, right then, right at where the hike out point is or the climb out. Um, and, and I guess the plan was they're not going to hike out to the car. They're going to hike out to the confluence where Bridge Creek meets oh, Willie Creek. I see. That's their plan. Because that's, you know, a couple miles. Yeah. I can't even imagine how bad that hike out must have been. But, um, so Bridge Creek, I assume, is just kind of like burly class five. It's like steep, 600 steep, feet per volume. mile, yeah. 600 feet per mile, really low steep. volume, yeah. lots of, I, I don't, there was, there were portages. I can't remember how many, but I remember some, you okay. know, tricky ones where we had to like it's toss the boats off a cliff and jump into the river uh, and oh, that really? kind of thing. Some yeah. Gross. yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so anyway. The next rapid is right there where the hike out point is, and it's another 20-foot waterfall. Perfect, you know, beautiful oh. waterfall. And so, you know, we we run this waterfall, and it's great. And poor Sean, like, comes down. I think he was probably last and bro- breaks his paddle. Oh. And just I don't know what happened, but just then, then he's, of course, now psyched out. He's like, crap, you know. Like, there was a breakdown, but he was psyched out of the fact that half these people are saying it's too high. They're hiking out. So then he, he thinks he's like, okay, you know what? These guys don't know me. Like, I don't want to, you know, I don't know what we're getting into. So he decided to, to join the group to hike. Oh, really? And so did you, I'm curious, did you know, I mean, Ben's like kind of who Ben Stukesbury was at that time? Cause that was kind of in his no big name phase. Yeah, I think they right? had just come out with the first no big names okay. movie. I mean, he, so, wasn't, he wasn't the name he is today. No, like no, 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 world's not at best all. Expedition not at all, no, yeah. not at all. And, um, and so, yeah, I had really had no idea who these guys were. I like once, 
whoever connected us with them, um, you know, gave us, told us, you know, where they lived and we, and gave, I guess, no, no, I think they gave us their, their number. We just called them and we're like, Hey, can we, can we come down and, you know, can you guys give us some beta on what to paddle? Can we stay at your house? So they let us stay at their house at night. And then they kind of gave us some beta on which runs we're in. And it was great. You know, yeah, like, yeah, it was awesome. perfect. I and mean, this is what, this is what's so cool about the kayaking community. There's not, I don't know any other sport that you could do that where you could just call somebody, call the best kayaker in the area and be like, Hey, can we crash on your couch tonight? And yeah. they'd be like, heck yeah, come on over. Yeah, just some you know, person. like that's a kayaking thing. That's what we have. We have a tight community and it's like a family, you know, and this is why we do this. This is why we're, yeah. you know, like you don't get that in mountain biking. Yeah. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. It's you totally know. unique. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was super cool, you know, and they, they welcomed us into their group and, and they were, you know, totally fine with us paddling with them, but they, they, you know, kind of, you know, they wanted to make sure that we were safe and that we were up for it. And so they kind of, you know, gave, gave the rundown what the run was like. And, and so I was like, yeah, you know, I'm in, I'm in. And so, so then after that, it was me, Ben Stokesbury, Eric Seymour, and then the Knight brothers who were two brothers who were really good kayakers. Okay. And so it was the five of us and we ran the rest of bridge Creek in such an efficient way i learned so much from that hmm. trip um just on the way you know because we knew we were on a time crunch at that point because there was this whole ordeal with these guys hiking out and by the you know who knows what time it was by the oh, time we were actually sure. underway yeah and um and we we decided like okay if anybody walks we're all walking hmm. and if and if and so if any anything we scouted if somebody was like, I want to walk, we would all just walk together. We didn't do like a whole ordeal of like, you run it and wait and do all this. You know, we just kind of moved. And um, and so they these guys just, they, these guys paddled a lot together. So they had a really tight communication system with each other. And so I learned a lot of what I taught in my hmm. rescue classes from that day. Wow, that's um, awesome. And, um, and so we would, you know, one of us would scout and if it was if it was easy to to give verbals so that everybody else could run run the drops and safely we would do that otherwise we would all scout real quick we would make the decision and then we would go it was just like boom 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 like really safe really tight really efficient it was awesome it was one of the coolest days of kayaking i've had and um hmm. there were so many drops i mean just slides and waterfalls and mank drops and everything like just everything that you could get in there wow. portages as well like there were some just log jams that you had to portage and everything and and i remember like the hell of a two miles huh? i remember the very last drop like eric seymour got out to scout it and we all stayed in our boats and he's at the edge of this drop and i can see it's in a horizon line but i can't really tell how big it is or anything like that and he looks up at me and he's like puts his finger on his nose and like starts pointing his finger to the left or something or right i can't remember which direction but and i i, I wasn't familiar with this hand signal yet but but then he it, i kind of i kind of i finally figured out that he meant i needed to point my the nose of my boat to the left and go off this drop and so I, you know so i all right, paddling there, and he's kind of pointing where I need to go, and 
as I reached the horizon line, I realized it's a vertical, like 25, 30 foot waterfall Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> that I did not realize That's was like that. Line. And so here I go, just boom, off this waterfall, totally blind, no, like, no Whoa. real idea where to go other than pointing my nose to the left, which I did. It was great. It totally worked out. <laughs> it was totally clean. He knew it was safe. It was fine, you know, yeah. and then that was it. We were there at the confluence. And so oh, wow. we saw the rest of the crew who had hiked out. And by now it's five o'clock. It's about to be dark. There's no way we're paddling eight miles on Woolly Creek. And yeah. so easier not. It's still a four or five kind of run. Yeah. And it's high. Dark. I mean, it's yeah. big. Like the, the, the guys look at that river and they're all like, whoa, that's like more water than we've ever seen in that before. Yeah, and okay. so, so we, um, so we had to stay there at the confluence. Right. And so there was actually a forest service cabin at the confluence. It's convenient. It was very convenient and it was very old cabin and very aerated. <laughs> uh, and so, so we all pile into this old ass cabin and I can't remember if it was locked and somebody opened it or if it was just actually available, like if you were allowed to stay in it, that, that I don't remember. But, but Woolly Creek has a trail along it, like an actual hiking trail. And so it was kind of part of this trail network. I mean, was that um, a consideration just to walk out, or, you know, just get out of there that night and just... I think it was a consideration, but or? I think at that point, everybody, you know, the hike out crew were just destroyed from that just hike out. They, out just, yeah. they just climbed out of canyon and then bushwhacked through the rainforest yeah. for hours to get to that point and so so we decided to, to stay in the cabin of course there was no plan to camp on this trip so we had nothing we had no food we had no sleeping bags or clothes or anything i'm in a pair of fleece pants and board shorts and a dry top completely wet at the bottom soaking sure. soaking yeah. wet <laughs> and I've got, you know, I've already eaten whatever I brought for the, you know, what was supposed to be a three hour mission. And so, yeah, we're, we're just there, you know, like we're stuck. And so we, um, so we, we got into this forest service cabin and had a wood stove. So we just all oh, went yeah. and just, you know, we, we tried to get as much firewood as we can, we could. And, um, and, but, you know, basically I, my memory is being awake all night feeding the fire yeah like the the hike out crew were passed out they were done <laughs> <laughs> so i was feeding the fire all night long and the cold air was just like flowing up uh. through the floorboards it was like there every floorboard probably had two inches between it and the next one and you're just it was just air below it so it, but it was better than being outside i will say that so it was lucky that there was that cabin there but it was definitely a memorable experience. <laughs> yeah, having that stove. That was, that's it was the huge. one time I got to use those emergency blankets that we always carry in our kayaks that we uh, – and that, that trip – or actually, I don't even know. I, I don't think I even had one, but other people did. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to start carrying one of those. And so I've always carried one since then. But, um, but the fire was key. Like that, that definitely was crucial because it was – I mean, it was very cold. It was March. We're in the mountains in Northern California – it got very cold. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, it got very cold. So, so then in the morning, of course, now we're sleep-deprived, cold, hungry. So the hike-out crew decides they're going to hike out the trail to the car. Oh, really? So they, they're not even going to take their chances in the river in Woolly Creek. And so then the rest of us 
again and and sean's back onto the running the river plan again oh okay and so he he got either a spare paddle or somebody else's paddle and um poor sean the other thing about him is that he was in this kayak that was way too small for him he was in a what was it a piranha Oh, what was the M- one after the it was the h3 oh, the he was in the h3 yeah, yeah. and it was like the medium size and he's a big dude like he's a strong he's yeah. you know six one you know 190 you know that was just too small of a boat for him yeah and uh you know we had water. we had just come off of a low water colorado year where we were creaking in colorado at low water and so we were like oh we need the small like maneuverable boats that was like the era of like the tiny little creek boat you yeah know? and so gotcha. we were all onto that and then we're in california and shit is not little and you small have holes you have to get through <laughs> yeah so so we we all put in and like the freaking first rapid sean just gets thumped in a hole and swims oh, and no. so <laughs> me and stokesbury and seymour and the knight brothers we got his boat out and we're like waiting for him down there to come down you know like he got out of the river where he swam so he was safe and we got his boat and we're waiting for him to come down to, to where it is and we're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and then you know, here's you know the 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 final bad decision of the the trip was, I I told the guy you know because I it was clear that they were annoyed that that it was taking so long, and again we were like attack on to this team like they we weren't really part of their crew so right. I was like you know guys like you guys go ahead I'll wait for Sean we'll go t- we'll just we'll go down together and we'll oh. we'll catch up with you guys you know. So they were like, all right, cool. So they, they went down. So then I go up to the trail and walk upstream to try to find Sean. Can't find him. I start walking downstream, yelling for him, yelling for him. And I walked the whole eight miles down to the takeout, like trying, like running down this trail, trying to find him. Must be kind of freaking out at this point. Yeah, huh? totally. Like I was like, what happened? I mean, there was a point where I just, I realized that he probably, he basically assumed that his boat was lost and he had to hike out. Right. And which is what happened, basically. So I found him at the takeout. And I was like, dude, like, what the heck, you know? (laughs) Bad communication. Like, yeah, terrible (laughs) communication. Like, just absolutely terrible communication. And had, had, you know, yeah, anyway, it was just, it was just horrible. After just having this epic lesson of communication going down Bridge Creek. Yeah, like, just again, you're back to complacency again. You're Uh like, oh, yeah, we'll be fine, you know, because, you know, everybody's like, Woolly Creek's not so bad. It's, you know, whatever. And um, it's just, just class four, class five minus, or whatever it is, right? And it's just big water at this moment. It's basically a huge volume creek, and it's got multiple gorges that it goes through that are kind of, you know, big rapids in there. But yeah. it's, but, um, but I figured, Hey, you know, Sean and I'll be fine together. And so I, so we get down to the takeout and I find him and I'm like, dude, like your, our boats are back up there. <laughs> He's like, he, he was surprised that I had found the boat. He thought it was gone. He was pissed <laughs> off too. Cause he had like, he was just, he was just over it. I'm sure. You know? And so then, we, we we basically camped another night down at the takeout, and then at least we got food and everything, and then we hiked back up there, oh. the eight miles back up to the boats, and paddled out the next day. And so the three-hour, the three-hour afternoon trip turned into a three-day <laughs> epic adventure. Multi-day epic. And um, and then the at at that point we were just so exhausted 
tired, starving. Like we went to the first steakhouse we could find, which was, you know, some rural side of the highway steak place in Northern California. <laughs> it's like the worst steak ever, but we were just loving it. It was like the best steak for us. And then, you know, the itches started and uh, oh, no. we uh, recognized the symptoms of the famous California poison oak uh, and the fact that we did not have dry suits and we were totally just wearing these fleece pants. I can't believe I ever wore those things. Um, <laughs> when we, by the time we got home, we were both head to toe covered oh. every inch in poison oak, like every inch. It was, it was terrible. Like I was just, there was not a single part of me that was not covered in poison oak. And, uh, it was a struggle for a few days to get wow, through that. that yeah, miserable. just covering myself in calamine lotion. I can't remember if I like went to the doctor and got one of the steroid Pre- shots or shot or yeah. I can't remember or not. But I yeah, it was, it. <laughs> it was it was <laughs> it was rugged for sure. But I always say but, California is the perfect place to kayak, except for the poison. Yeah, it was so bad everywhere. I mean, we were just like tromping through it, and you had no and idea no, what it looked like. Well, I, it was or, just, the, you know just how like, it is. You get in there and there's not much you, you can do. you got other things to worry about. Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. pretty sure I knew what it looked like, but yeah, there wasn't like, much I could do about it. I'm in it, so here, yeah. here we go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, that was that, was that story. And uh, it was some great paddling, but, man, like just, just lack of planning and just being complacent and saying, oh, yeah, it's good to go. And, and we ended up in that situation. So could've, we could have avoided that pretty pretty heavily pretty pretty easily with some some planning so that's kind of you know what i've learned the most from from misadventures that's a tough one too though because it's kind of like you're you're with you're with the local experts yeah you're kind of taking their word for it and they they kind of know it i mean they sounds like they do more or less know what they're doing but they're they're ready to push things they're a well-oiled machine and they're they're willing to yeah And, and i bet if it was just if it had just been the crew that did paddle Bridge Creek and not that, you know, I think there was, I think what it is, you know, and we all did this when we were younger in college where, you know, we started inviting friends to go on runs that maybe they're not ready for. And I think that's what happened. Like they, they invited people that were just not up for it. And again, you know, they just, they didn't realize the water level. And so these other people quickly recognized that it was over their head and they decided to hike out, you know, but then all that stuff just took so long. Whereas had had it been from the start, just like the four, five, or six of us that could have just bombed the run and and you know been efficient, like yeah, we probably would have made it in the day. Yeah, you know, yeah. Well, that's cool. That's a that <laughs> does sound like a classic kayaker story. There must be a, a hundred, a thousand that, that end up yeah, something so like many. that one. But so many, it's so much fun. We we the, we keep doing it. We got to keep doing it. You know, it's not. You, you forget, it's no you longer forget a the choice. pain after a while too, don't yeah. you? Like, no. Oh yeah. yeah. You, hear, you hear the story now. It sounds like oh, I could. That sounds kind of bad. But I'm sure at the time you guys were just yeah. I totally want to go do it again. Rush. I definitely want to go back and do that run again someday. That'd that sounds cool. like an amazing creek. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty cool. It was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, I feel like I could do a whole, a whole series of episodes on, on the, uh, ghost boat, you know, like sliding off the shore. <laughs> yeah. I was, it was funny cause I, when I was talking to Scott Young, he was telling me some story about that. And, and then I, I was saying, oh yeah, you know, I, we had this story in, uh, when we were at the Fudalafu and uh, what is it? Inferno Canyon. And, uh, 
we're in the middle of the canyon and scout, you could scout something. So we were scouting this thing and we're about to go walk up and all of a sudden boat just goes floating right down the middle of the river, followed by the paddle right behind it. And I mean, we're like, you can't get out of there. You yeah. know, and we're just, we're trying to figure out like what to do. Like, Oh, maybe we could paddle out and lower you a boat from like 300 feet down from the road or something. And then just by some miracle, it, it ended up in this eddy, and we were able oh, to nice. we were able to get it like right yeah. before the rapids. Especially a big river like that, you're like, oh, oh what's gonna happen? So like, lucky, it's gone. So lucky. Yeah, and then you know you, but you don't ever want to make the assumption that it's just gone. Like you know that the assumption that his boat was gone for good. You know he hiked down the trail and made it so we had to go back the next day, you know, whereas if he had just found us, yeah, you would have just, we would have finished been, it out. No yeah, problem. We would have been good, you yeah. know, but yeah, communication, but I good. think, I think there was some emotional shit going on there too. He was just, he was angry. Yeah. He was angry that, you know, he was angry at his kayak being too small, <laughs> which was fair because it was too small. He was getting worked in every hole. Like he just did. He had no momentum, you know, and, yeah, and, that sucks. uh, he, he needs a big boat and, and, uh, I, I can take some ownership for that because I'm the one that convinced him to get that boat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all but, your yeah, fault. It was yeah. totally my fault. <laughs> Poor Sean. But uh, but yeah, the, then once we got back, he got the right boat again, and then then it was on. Then we then the next ne- next season was filming the White Album and doing so many rivers together, and and he was just crushing it. You know, like, nice. like it's like it's you know little decisions like that. Like you can't just use any kayak. You know. Yeah, like you've got to use the right, the right one for the right application. Yeah, like I won't. I'm, I I don't want to go somewhere and rent a kayak that's not mine. You know, because like even if it's like the same type of boat, like the outfitting is not going to be right. The, mm-hmm. You know, and all of those things can play into getting getting in trouble. You know, like you need to have your gear dialed in. Yeah, being know? able to anticipate how your boat's going to move in different features yeah. is so critical. And so it's like, if I can't, if I'm going to travel somewhere, if I can take my own boat on the plane, I'm going to, if I, if I have to rent one, I will, but I like, I much prefer to spend a couple of days on class four hmm. when I get there, yes. paddling the yes. rental boat and getting used to it. And then if I feel good in it, then, you know, you can start stepping it up. But it's like, you got it. You can't just like, go guns blazing into this stuff like it's serious you know people take it for granted sometimes but you know what we're doing requires a high level of athleticism a high level of skill high level of knowledge experience safety and a team that knows how to work together all those things have to be in place yeah for it to for it to go well absolutely you know and um you know you see people running class five that are off the couch in the spring and overweight it's like dude no like you, you need to you need to be in shape for this this is uh this is serious <laughs> yeah kind it's of not, this, it's kind not it's not a joke kind of the same as what you were saying with with gear and stuff right like you can get away with it for a while but eventually when, when the bad thing happens the consequences can be yeah, severe exactly yeah. so yeah you gotta you, you know you gotta be on it and and um you know over the years i've learned you know i there's there's people i'll paddle with and people i won't paddle with and uh and you know, if 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 somebody I know who I don't like to paddle with because I don't feel safe with them is on a trip, I'm I'm out, I'm yeah. not going. Yeah, I've I've gone through that evolution myself. <laughs> I've I've kind of learned over the years. There's, there's yeah, there's sometimes you just don't want to be a part of a particular trip because yeah. of people not being prepared. Yeah. Yep, definitely. 
Cool, Nick. Well, man, thanks for thanks for taking the time. I think those are some good stories. Yeah, that was fun, man. Do you have any? Uh, My first podcast. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the sky's the limit from yeah, here. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> you have any closing thoughts or anything else you want to say? I, I think I think I covered it, man. Like, All right. just, I'm just stoked for next season. It's time to go kayaking. Again. I know. Let's pray gotta, for some gotta snow. Got to get through ski season first and <laughs> get some snow. Yeah. Yeah. It's been raining this summer, so hopefully we get snow. Let's hope. Hopefully it's been, it, been hopefully sl- it. slow so far, but there's a little snow on the ground after this last storm. Yeah. We got a yeah. lot of, I'm got excited. Of I am excited to ski, though, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. The seasons make you appreciate the next one that much I, more. I love that. That's yeah. a good way to put it. You know, it's like I like having the seasons. It could be cool to live somewhere where there's boating year round, but it's also I like I like skiing, I like mountain biking, I like the other I like all the sports that we do here. Yeah, you never it's get cool. tired of one thing for yeah, sure. Yeah, totally. All right, Nick. Well cool man. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for having me, man. It's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm.